0: All right, um, the battle of 93s. Okay, let me say something. For me, the battle of 93s was probably the best battle on the men's side. Uh in this session is the same session as the 76s. And this has gotta be one of the best sessions I've ever commented on in all the IPF World Championships I had. Seeing Jessica Bittner going toe-to-toe with Ekaterina Shitsko over there in the 76 kilo class, as well as Dana McNeil battling it out for the bronze medal position that ultimately went to Kimberly Walford. I mean, it was fucking battles in the 76s. Um, and in the exact same session, the battle of the 93s, holy shit. In terms of the one, two, three, four, five that we had in the 93s, it's, I'm going to say rematch. I don't know how many times they've done this though, between chance Mitchell and Jonathan Keiko add into their Bulgarias, Emil Krastev that some people were overlooking, but we had said previously, even at the previous world championships, you're going to have to want to pay attention to Emil Krastev. Gavin, Gavin Eden from USVI, Gustav Hedlin from Sweden. And then Sasha uh, Stenbach from Germany. It is a stacked class in the 93s. And, um, We all knew this was going to be a battle. Look at looking at this field ahead of time. Chance Mitchell was the deadlift demon. We knew he was the deadlift demon. We knew it was in the deadlifts that he's going to cover a lot of ground. Historically speaking, he could not cover enough ground to beat Jonathan Keiko. As a matter of fact, historically speaking, Jonathan Keiko had defeated Chance Mitchell at the PA nationals and defeated him previously. But more recently and more relevantly, had defeated him at PA Nationals to the point where Chance wasn't even pulling for the win. It was that decisive. Jonathan Keiko had already previously beat Emil Krastev at the last World Championships. Jonathan Keiko had already previously beat Gavin Aiden at a previous USAPL Nationals when it came right down to the wire. And he beat him by 0.5 kilo. Jonathan Keiko had already famously beat Gustav Hedlund at the previous world championships when he came right down to the last deadlift. And Gustav Hedlund had the winning deadlift in his hands. And he's going to pull it for the win. Jonathan Keiko had not missed a single lift in three years. Despite back-to-back-to-back wars with the greatest 93s the world could offer. Jonathan Keiko was Mr. Perfect and the defending world champion coming into this. So for good reason, there, he was a favorite pick here because he was consistent with, all, with his showdowns. But he was facing heavy opposition. Now, why did some people have reason to believe this might be different? If you have been following Chance, he was hitting big numbers in training. His numbers were going up. I know it doesn't always translate onto the platform, but if you are a Chance Mitchell fan... You had, this gave you some reason for hope. This time's gonna be different. The turnaround wasn't great. And this is where it became, usually when someone's gonna cover ground like this, you need a bigger turnaround to cover that kind of ground. That's where if you're a Jonathan Keiko fan, you're like, I gotcha. Chance is covering ground. Did he cover that much ground? Well, we'll talk about it. And if you're a Gavin Aiden fan, obviously, they had some spread in between the previous meeting and you would take Saul as saying he had time to cover ground. A Gustav Headlin, exact same thing. Gustav had the winning deadlift in his hands, had it up to his knees, had it up past his knees, then it came out of his hands. You could easily tell yourself, could he find himself in that exact same scenario, only this time he locks it out? Yeah, yeah, that's probably reasonable. And then if you're a Mil Krastev fan, and a Mil Krastev coming from Bulgaria didn't have nearly the fanfare. You know, the following didn't have a sponsorship coming into this. This was his opportunity to have that rocky moment to show everybody I deserve to be here. He had hit um an 847 and a half kilo total leading into last year's worlds. And at last year's worlds, I think he repeated 847 and a half kilo, but I knew he more than likely had more than that in him. He was doing more than that, or what would have been more than that in training again. What happens with travel? Do you have to cut a lot of weight? It doesn't always transfer onto the platform. Now, Rory was handling Gavin Aiden. You were helping out on Chance's side, handling Chance. Um, so let's walk through this. We'll start off in the squat event. Jonathan Keiko opening up with 275, hitting it, ending off with a 300 kilo squat and going three for three. Gustav Hedlin opening up with a 290, hitting it, going 3-for-3 in the squat event, ending up with a 317.5 squat. And I remember looking at Gustav Hedlund's face after he hit that 317.5, and he had a smile on his face, and he's usually a very reserved guy. He had a smile on his face, and it, it was an indication, holy shit, Gustav Hedlund's on now. And if he builds a base like he's building in the squat event, and everyone says... Your day starts in the squat, and how your squat goes is really going to set that base up for you. If you're Jonathan Keiko and the Americans, you're thinking, oh, we remember what happened at last year's Worlds. We got ourselves a battle. So Gustav Hedling goes three for three. Jonathan Keiko goes three for three. Emil Krastev hits 285, misses 300, opts to go up to 307.5 regardless after missing 300. It's a dicey opposition. Because you miss 300 and you move up, you could retake that weight. If you move up and miss again, you're moving forward with just your opener in a field this close. The likelihood of rallying back on that becomes very difficult. He hits 307.5. That's the fifth highest squat in this division. And now he's right in the money spot for him because he's got a big bench. He's got a reliable deadlift. Gavin Aiden hits 305, hits 320, and opts to go up to 331.5 for his third and final squat, which is the squat world record. This is a bit controversial. Gavin hits it and misses it on depth. Now, at the time, I remember thinking, I think he cut it a little high. Go back to the hotel. Everybody's discussing. And I tell Gavin, my man, I love you. I think you hit it a little. I think you cut it a little high. It didn't look, the depth, if you didn't cut it high, the depth definitely wasn't as convincing as your first and second. The next day on breakfast, he showed me the video and paused it at depth. And he's like, you still think I cut it high? And then I had to rethink myself. (laughs) Then I had to rethink myself. It's like, holy shit. I'm not sure. I'm not sure right now. This is these are borderline calls. It's very difficult, man. Um it's real tough. I'll get your impression. I want to get your impression on that, but before I wrap it up and throw it to you, um the young man you were handling, Chance Mitchell, misses 290 and decides we're going to go up 15 kilo regardless and hits 305. That's decent. But then Chance decides we're going to go up from there again and go for a 315 kilo. Squat opener. Now, if Chance gets three fifteen, he's in a good position. Now, this is better than PA Nats. He's now propping himself up for a much bigger total. This three fifteen is going to be pivotal for him, and he knows it. He hits three fifteen and ducks under that bar and lets out a war cry because he knew, holy shit, here we are. This is the squatting I needed to build that base. It's good enough. I'll leave off with. The the medals and how this looked. Um, Ammar Kanan from Algeria took the gold with a 322.5 kilo squat, massive squat. He tried for the world record as well, missed it with a 332. Uh, so he took the gold medal. Gavin Aiden takes the silver medal in the squat event, and Gustav Hedlin, who went three for three, ends off with the bronze medal in the squat event. Um, Jonathan Keiko ended up seventh, but he went three for three. And uh, followed by Chance, Emil Krastev, four and five. Now, what was your impression after the squad event?
1: Yeah, I won't go too detailed in all the uh, attempts because we already did a separate episode with Chance. So if people haven't listened to that, go listen to that to hear the full breakdown of like all the attempts and all the strategy, um, all the stuff leading up, everything like that to get, you know, full breakdown of Chance's day. But yeah, just going from top to bottom, you had a chance on the opener. We missed it. There was an issue where they were saying he wasn't gripping the bar, telling him to rack the weight. It threw him off, everything like that. And, but everything felt good for him as far as the speed and everything like that. So that's why we went up to a 305. And initially, the 305 got called a no lift. One said, I think, again, the uh, depth. And one person said like his knees weren't locked out at the end. So that's when we sent Mike over to the jury and he protested it and got it overturned to a good lift. And then that's when we went to the 315. And that, yeah, like you said, really set him up that now we're already making ground and improving upon what we did at Nationals. Uh, with Emil, like you said, I believe the 300 he missed was on depth. He went up, he got it, so that was good for him and kept him in the fight. With, with Kaiko, he kind of hit what we thought, you know, three for three, somewhere around 300, so we assumed like, okay, he's going to have a pretty solid day compared to what he's done previous times at Worlds. Um, with Gavin, You know, depth was good for him for the first and second, which I was a little concerned about based on the referees that I knew were on the list going in and also seeing the issues with like Chance and Emil and everything like that. Um, And we had thought, okay, 330 is about what he needs to keep up with us. So him missing the 331.5 helped us out in that aspect. And then Gustav, yeah, going three for three, improving over his last meet with that 317. I thought, okay, he's he's in the race as well. He's improving. And for whatever reason, uh, Sasha just you know disappointed missing the 275 on his second and third. So that kind of already kind of put him out um, out of the fight because he does have the big deadlift, but he needed to have a squat and bench to go along with that big deadlift because Chance has the big deadlift as well. So it we started off rough for us, but at the end, I felt we were a good spot going into bench press. Um, the other thing I just want to mention real quick too about the squat was that Dave Ricks was in the morning session and he attempted the world record squat as well. So he broke the Masters world record squat on the first and second at 331.5 for his third. He came up out of the hole a little bit and missed. Um, from what I remember, Gavin and Amar both stood up with it and both got called on depth, but both went to a jury and weren't able to get overturned.
0: Yeah, David Ricks, who's in his 60s, by the way.
1: And he got sixth, uh, he like got is- he got sixth in the squad, even though he missed a third. His 305 was a sixth best squad out of 25 people, and he's in his 60s.
0: I mean, if he didn't go for the world record and actually took like a, a little bit of a more reasonable third, he would have he could have medaled. Yeah. He could have podiumed in the squad event. Who knows? Um, just a couple things I want to say. So Jonathan Keiko had previously hit 305, but it's been some years since he's hit 305 as a squad. His squad is a little bit stagnant over the years. Uh, but it's 300 kilo is reliable. He hit PA Nats. He hit 300 kilo. And it was good enough, obviously, for him to win PA Nats. But here's the, st- the change, though. And this is why Chance was so elated after hitting his third squat. He jumped seven and a half kilo on a squat. And if he's going to cover ground and this is going to be the day where he wins it, he needed this kind of movement on his squat and he got it. It didn't mean, I mean, there was a lot of work to be done. And we'll get into that in a second, but he needed movement on that more than just training numbers. And we see training numbers go up for some people. Joe Jordan had massive training numbers and people say, well, when you do the math, you know, I did my math and this is what this person's going to get. There's no fucking such thing as doing math. When it comes to these preview shows, I went to school dog math. The number is black and white. It's not open for interpretation. That's what math is. That's the beauty of math. It's, not, it's black and white. There's only one answer to it. This is prediction. And training numbers don't always end up on the platform. That's why it's not math. It's a prediction. If it was, George Jordan would have been the world champion by a lot of people's attitudes, right? By the way, some of these training numbers were, were trending. So that's why when you saw it, when you seen what Chance was doing, Your guesswork is, he might be able to. He might be able to. But history is usually a good predictor of the future. That's why what Chance was doing was so special. And when he made that post, L after L after L, and now I'm a fucking world champion. I threw the fucking in there, by the way, but I'm getting excited. (laughs) But when he hit that seven and a half kilo jump on his squat and he hit 315, that's when it became, oh, shit. This is different than PA Nats. Jonathan's hitting PA Nats numbers. Chance is not. Now the conversation might end up different at the end of the day. Let's move into the bench press event. We'll get there. So in the bench press, Chance, not a massive bench presser. Obviously, he's a massive deadlifter. And and oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes, that's the case. He goes three for three in the bench press event. Oh, by the way, let me say... I am so glad that Chance and you decided, even though we missed his opener, not to retake the opening weight. And we had this discussion early in the episode. Sometimes you retake the weight and that's a good idea. Sometimes you have that discussion with your lifter and it's like, if we end up missing the opener, we're not retaking that weight. We're moving up, huh? And moving up 305 to 305 kilo. While you might say, well, well, of course move up to 305 um, the opener flew like an opener. Let's do this. Chance walked away with 307 and a half at PA Nats. 305 is actually kind of sort of close. In, that, in, in PA Nats, he didn't travel across the world multiple time zones. All is well that ends well, but these are tough decisions. It isn't like, well, no shit, he moved up. Nah, it's, these are conversations you have to have, man. You're two and a half kilo away from your PA Nats top end squat. Like this is, and you didn't travel the world and all the rest of it. It's tough. These are tough. To, like, obviously, thank God he did. Thank God you guys worked that out and said, we're going up anyways. I know it's risky, but we knew chance was all in to win this world title. And we know how the story ends. But this is why, A, I don't fault when you're in a Tim Monogatti situation. You're like, we're not going up. We're retaking the weight. I don't fault it because you can fuck yourself. Or... The flip side, I also don't fault somebody in Chance's situation and your situation where like, we're going up anyways. I don't care if this is two and a half kilo below your previous competition's third attempt that you got. We're going up because we know what we're here for and we had this discussion training. Well, we're just going to do it. It's tough though. And it's 2020 hindsight and it worked out in your guys' favor. But if this didn't work out, everybody'd be like, what the fuck were you guys thinking? <laughs> right? I'd be, I'd probably be that guy actually, if I'm being honest. <laughs> on, but, on the live stream. <laughs> exactly right on the fucking live stream i bury you i would be like that's shitty handling not the lifter but the handler really needs to think about um but anyways chance mitchell goes three for three in the bench press serviceable bench press um hits a 190 this is around you know he's hit 192 previously but he's also missed 190 previously he's also missed 192 previously this is around the top end you're picking up the kilos you need and I think this is a good call by you and Chance. Um, could you have gone to 192.5? Look at, do you want to split those hairs and in, in risk missing? If you miss, you're moving forward with your 185. And on when it comes to his top-end deadlift, that's five more kilo he would have had to have deadlifted if he had missed his, his 190. So it's, again, I think you guys did an excellent job in the squad attempts. Um, and I think you did an excellent job in the bench press attempts. And I'd bury you if I could, but I can't hear. Uh, Jonathan Kaiko goes 222.5, goes 232.5, and then moves up to a world record 238.5 and goes three for three. So now Jonathan Kaiko, Mr. Perfect, remains perfect, six for six, and now has a world record. Chance going five for six, but ends up with the thirds he wanted anyway. So it's Pretty much trivial that he went five or six is essentially he's in the same spot he would be as if he also went six for six. Emil Krastev, whom missed the second attempt squat, moved up anyways, and got his 307.5, goes three for three in the bench press and hits a big 227.5 kilo bench press, a 500 pound bench press, which is a European record. Emil Krastev now is starting to show the money that he is, the quality of lifter that he is. And if previous world championships, he ended up duplicating his previous total and not improving upon and showing the world what he could do. Now he's putting people on notice. Um, So starting to break away from the pack a little bit. Gavin Aiden missing his third squat, hits 200 kilo, hits 210, misses 215 and has now missed his third squat and his third bench. Gustav Hedlund goes three for three in the squat event and goes two for three in the bench press event, hitting 207.5, but missing 212.5. And Sasha, whom had only got his opener on squat, goes two for three, but has now fallen behind quite a bit. Um, I'm going to read off the subtotals right now just to show everybody uh, a bit of a idea here where everybody is resting at. Hang on a second. My subtotals got a little... So after the bench press event, um, the subtotals looked at Jonathan Keiko with a 538.5, Gustav Headlin with a 525, Emil Krastev with a 535. So he's just three and a half kilo behind Jonathan Keiko. And that's a little bit surprising. I knew he was quality, but that's a very tight race. Chance Mitchell, 505. Now, just putting in perspective, Jonathan Keiko, 538.5, Emil 535, Chance 505. That's 33.5 kilo behind Jonathan, um, 30 kilo behind Emil, Chance. in, And he's had a stellar squat day and bench press day for himself. He's at the upper end and you guys got what you needed out of him. But this is the type of deadlift demon that Chance is. It's the same deal with Enohoro in the previous weight class. But Chance obviously seals the deal in this one. And Gavin Aiden leaves with the 530. Now, comparatively, Gavin Aiden has a bigger total than Gustav. He's got a bigger total than a subtotal than Gustav. Bigger subtotal than Chance. And he's relatively close to Emil. He's only 5 kilo away. Relatively close to Jonathan Keiko. He's only 8.5 kilo away. The difference is when we get into the deadlifts, these gentlemen all have very much different deadlifts. And Gavin Aiden really needed that controversial third squat, which if I'm honest, was on that line. It was right on that line. Had he had it, I mean, he might have needed that bench press as well, but uh, it might have been a different conversation. Unfortunately, he missed it and missed his third bench. So the conversation ended up being a little bit different. What were you thinking after the bench press event, you know, looking at these subtotals that I just rattled off to you. First off, Emil is rather high. Jonathan Keiko, probably around where we had expected. He now collected a chip. Um, and Gustav Headland probably around where you had expected. Had a good squat day. Missed his third bench, but you're going to miss lifts here and there. You know he's got a serviceable deadlift. He's got a bigger deadlift than Jonathan. And then, obviously, you had guided chance to a three for three. What were your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I mean, when it came to uh chance, yeah, we we were thinking one ninety 190 or one ninety two for this for that third attempt bench and we just opted for the one ninety just to, you know, pick up some more kilos and just move on to the deadlift, especially because some of these other guys were already missing squats and we had, like you said, maximized our squats. With a meal, I thought that I think 227.5 was his goal, and I thought it would be a little bit out of reach, but he ended up getting it, so he definitely, I think, overperformed there and definitely was in the fight going into deadlift, though he has a much weaker deadlift than chance, and so I wasn't as concerned that, you know, we we're going to be taking bigger jumps than him, and we were already above him on projected total based on the opener deadlift. With Keiko, he did about what he expected. I I was expecting that 238.5 or the 240.5 based on how the second attempt moved. They went more conservative with the 238.5, um, so kind of what we were expecting going into deadlifts. With Gavin, It. At that point, I thought he was out because I think he needed like a 330 squat and deadlift and then a 220-ish bench. So at that point, he had missed the 331 squat and the 215 bench, so I, I... wasn't as concerned with him compared to these other guys. Um, with Gustav, he did miss the third, but I believe the bench was the two, the second attempt bench was still two and a half kills more than what he hit last year. So he's still making some ground, and I still thought he was a contention. And similar with uh, with Sasha is I thought he was out at that point because again he misses third attempt bench, and unless his opening delif was fake then Chance was going to be ahead of him on opening Delph and just stay ahead and be able to chip above him, whatever we needed. So Chance was thinking maybe because Sasha doesn't put up any training chance was thinking maybe that opening Delph was faking that they would bump it up last minute, but they didn't. So at that point I thought we were in a good spot because on opening deadlifts on projected numbers, we were going to be in first place and we had the biggest delve so we can just continue to stay in first place.
0: Here's what they say. And by they I mean me because <laughs> I said it on the live stream. I said it a couple times. Um, when the deadlift specialist gets ahead of you on their opening deadlift and they're already in the lead on the opening deadlift and they are the deadlift specialist, they got the biggest deadlift of the pack. The battle starts turning into a hunt. And that's kind of what happens here. When chance Mitchell opens up, let me pull up the scoreboard here. Um, So Chance opens up with a 352.5. We'll talk about this in a second here. And again, you guys made some quick decisions. Um, But he opens up with a 352.5, and it's a miss. Now, you guys have to make some tough decisions here, but it's not a miss like he missed on strength or anything like that. And I want to get your opinion on the second attempt selection and with the chip involved that you guys do there. Um, But 352.5, Emil if it's a 310. Jonathan Keiko, it's a 317.5. Gavin Aiden hits a 305. Gustav Helen hits a 330. And Sasha uh, hits a 340. But Sasha, and it's a big deadlift, gotcha. But he's all types of in the back by now. If you're wondering about Amar, uh, who took the gold medal in the squad event, he's got a, you know, his, his bench press is well far behind. He's 17th overall in terms of bench press and his deadlift is pretty far back as well so he ended up falling quite a far back after the squat event despite having such a massive squat. Now it's a second round of deadlifts that um when I'm talking about the deadlift artist when when he gets ahead of you like this um and and he missed his opener but you guys opt to move up instead for a world record. I'll, I'll let me put a pin in that and I'll ask you about this. Let me just rattle off what the other people in the field do. Emil Krastav moves up to 327.5 and hits. Jonathan Keiko moves up to 335 in hits. Now, Jonathan Keiko with that 335 has now solidified a total with 873.5. If we pull up Chance Mitchell's previous um, at the PA Nats, 875.5 is what he had previously hit. So we're kind of treading towards the what previously would have been the top end for Chance. Now that Jonathan Keiko is already at 873.5 on a second deadlift. But this isn't the chance Mitchell from PA Nats that he he had proven that in the squad event and cruised through 190. Did he have a few more kilos on there? Whatever, it wasn't worth risking. And I think you guys made the right decision. But we know he's more than PA Nats. I'm just underlying the fact that there's a gray area that Kaiko and his team need to talk about. When they're going to select their last deadlift. We'll get to that in a second. I'm just laying down the storyline though. Because you know they're going to pull before chance. But they have to guesswork. What the fuck do we load the bar with? That's enough to make chance pull more than he can. But not more than we could pull. And it's difficult because chance isn't the historical chance he was just a few months ago at PA Nats. Proven. Proven. Okay, not, not hypothetical on training numbers, proven on the platform. Going back to uh, Gavin Aiden, misses 320 on his second. Gustav Hedlund hits 340 and Sasha hits 360. He's got a massive deadlift, but again, he's too far behind. Gustav Hedlund riding the ship a little bit. He's within shot here. Let's talk about, before we get into third attempts, Let's talk about the opening chance deadlift and jumping up uh, a stitch over 20 kilo for that world record. What were you guys thinking after you're watching the rest of the field and the conversation you're having with Chance?
1: Yeah, I mean, the the opener went up fast. It was just that, like, he lost his balance a little bit at the top, which can sometimes happen with sumo, especially if it's really fast. Um, then you kind of like, especially with a lower lockout lifters, like an Anahara or Chance is that weight is so low, it can kind of throw you off. So... The strength was there, and the speed was there, and he's done 383 at Nationals. And so we had discussed this, similar to what Rory had said earlier. I had discussed this with Chance previous days, like, hey, what are we going to do in these scenarios? If you miss and stuff, we would go up. So we had already discussed that if we had missed his opening down, if we would go up. And I felt like also that the weight increase would kind of slow him down so he doesn't lose his balance. So initially, the second attempt was going to be, if we had made the first, 375.5. Um, but I was looking at what these other lifters were doing. So I saw Emil took 17 half kilo jump, Jonathan took 17 half kilo jump, Gavin took 15. And then even Sasha took a 20 kilo jump. So it's like, okay, if we're going to jump, we can jump somewhere around where they're jumping to, to stay in first place, we don't have to go uh, 23 kilo jump, we can jump, you know, somewhere between that first 15 and 20. And so we opted to do the 373.5 just to bring it down from the 375.5 a little bit to be more conservative, and it would still chip the record. And it also turns out where it helps out with the chip against Keiko because Kaiko did 238.5 bench, so he did a 1 kilo above the 237.5. So we were doing 1 kilo above the 372.5 to take away his chip advantage because chance was lighter than Emil, Jonathan, Gavin, Gustav, and Sasha. So then – Chance can win uh, on a tie and total with uh, Kaiko. And these other guys would have to also total more than him without the chip. So that was kind of like different ideas there that we're thinking about of exactly picking what we wanted. We could have done 370 and, you know, been winning on body weight and taking some more jump as these guys. Uh, but that's where it comes to, like, if you take 370 and you have the same total as Kaiko going into third attempts. And like you said, now Kaiko's camp has to have a discussion of how much more to go they could just go at minimum two and a half kilos more or maybe five kilos more, whatever, and put pressure on you to make another one. But if you go a little bit more in the second, now you have a five kilo lead and you have the body weight. Now at minimum, they have to go a seven and a half kilo more. So now the range of what they're thinking of starts at a higher point and it's harder to gauge. Do so we go seven and a half, ten, twelve, 10, 12, and so on. So a few different things involved there to kind of pick that number.
0: And um, so now it's, solidified chances in the lead and he's the biggest deadlifter and he's got another deadlift to go. This is where the dicey proposition comes where, you know, the battle becomes a hunt. Now it becomes other people are flying blind. And what I mean is chances now in first. So you're chasing him, but he gets the lift after you. It's a totally different scenario. If if you're chasing someone, but their day finishes before you, it's a lot easier to chase and catch up because you don't have to load more than, than you need to for your final pull. But when you're in the lead and you're deadlifting last, that's probably the best spot you could be in powerlifting because now Jonathan Keiko is behind, needs to deadlift before you and completely guess, where do I think you are? Oh, and by the way, though, your squat has gone up, your bench press while didn't go up is around the top range anyways, and you hit it with relative smooth, you know they it trying to gauge where the fuck do we load this bar? And this is where things get interesting. So we'll talk about I do want to shout out Gavin Aden missed three twenty, went up three hundred and thirty five kilo regardless. Missed 320 and jumped up 15 kilo onto his second attempt that he missed and ended up hitting it. And I bet you, if you ask people around that arena, only people with the last name Aiden would have thought he was going to hit that. So hats off to him. It's a gutsy move. I know it wasn't the day that he wanted, but to end on a high net where you show some resolve and you show some heart helps take the sting away a little bit. So, Gavin Aiden ending off with a very respectable uh, 335 kilo. And that's a, that's actually a pretty big deadlift. I know Gavin Aiden is a, you know, Mr. Subtotal, but that was the fifth biggest deadlift of the day and of the whole field. I mean, Gavin, it's, it was a nice way to finish off for himself. If he would have got that big squat, who the fuck would have knows, but it is what it is. So moving on, Gavin finishes his day with an 865. It's below what he would have wanted, but uh, a decent showing nonetheless, showing some resolve here. Gustav Hedlund, he loads up 350. Um, he has an 865 kilo total. He loads up 350. That would have put him onto the podium, but he misses 350. Uh, taking a look here, Sasha loads up 374, misses 374. Emil Krastaff loads up 342.5, hits it and ends off with an 877.5 kilo total. Now let's get to the good stuff. We all know Jonathan Keiko's not pulling for a silver medal. They're not going to pull to secure silver. Jonathan Keiko right now, Emil Krastev, has pulled himself into a silver medal position with that 342.5. He's now at an 877.5 kilo total. Jonathan Keiko, in the bronze medal position, still has a deadlift to go, is resting at 873.5. He only has to load up four more kilo onto his 335 he had previously hit for a second attempt. Um, well, what's his body weight at? He's slightly heavier, so we will have to load up a little bit more. But you get the point where he can pull for that silver medal. But Jonathan Kaiko, we all know, is that fucking gladiator. He has not missed a lift at this point in years. This is Mr. Perfect. He's won all of those battles. He's the defending world champion. If he's going to go out, he's going to go out on the shield. Now, this is where the difficult additions start being made. They have 350 kilos loaded for his third and final. So let's do the math here. Because I know he had made a post. And, and I believe Joey was on the podcast saying they wanted to change it. But it uh, they wanted to change the last deadlift. But I guess the change attempt didn't go in because there was some miscommunication. Obviously, Joey Flex was... Via video, the American team was there live. But I'll tell you right now, I don't know if, well, let's do the math. Let, let me walk you through my reasoning right now, why I'm stuttering a little bit, because I don't know if the change attempt would have been better anyways. Like, if you're looking at this, 350 kilo is a 15 kilo jump. So his 373.5, let's add, or 873.5, what am I saying?
1: He uh chance would have needed a 383.5 if Jonathan got the 350.
0: Three okay, thank you. And at at the PA Nets, he got 383. Mm-hmm. So this is what I'm saying is in terms of um, I know there was some discussion on Jonathan Keiko, should they have dropped that last deadlift? And there was miscommunication, and they wanted to drop it. What I'm saying is 2020 hindsight He went for that last deadlift, almost had it and missed it and got you. So now Chance is the champion because he was already in the lead by the time the last deadlifts came around and we already knew the score. And that's the tough proposition when the bigger deadlifter has the lead on you. Now you're back in the corner here. But for all the American team on that side, I know that both Americans were new, Chance had hit this deadlift previously at Nats minus 0.5 kilo. And even if you thought he hit at PA Nats an untidy third, and you're thinking, well, that wouldn't pass at Worlds. I already had covered he was stronger than he was at PA Nats. So it would be totally reasonable to think if he hits it untidy and a sketchy third attempt at PA Nats, you could reason he's strong enough to hit the exact same weight plus 0.5 Clean at worlds. If you're looking at his bench and you're looking at his squat and you're looking at the way the day's unfolding, I think that third attempt was completely reasonable without lowering it. You can completely see where it's like, no, this is what you actually, if you want to push him to the brink, this is probably what you are going to need. Now, if we look at Jonathan Keiko's previous personal best deadlift, 357.5, and he has loads up 350. Again, that's only two and a half kilo more than this previous personal best deadlift. That is also reasonable. So it's, it's a, not a, an unreasonable attempt to lay down for Jonathan Keiko. It's a two and a half kilo PR We're at the world championships. You're defending against a murderer's row. Can I ask of you a two and a half kilo PR that is completely reasonable. And B we already know that Chance Mitchell at PA Nats hit 383. So can I assume based off of his squat and, and bench and how things are going for him, he might have 383.5 and you're going to need this weight. That is entirely reasonable. I pose to you. This was, I know there's some discussion on maybe they should have moved it, but I mean, it's 2020 hindsight. Had you lowered it, maybe Keiko, like, like we all know Chance didn't end up hitting his third. But that's you didn't know that until it played out. It was tough, man. This is very difficult. Handling is very, 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 very difficult. Um, obviously, now we know Kaiko. If they had moved it lower and Kaiko did hit, um, you know, chance well, chance would have been able to move his final deadlift lower. Maybe he hits as well, though, right? We could play that game for both guys. What are you thinking, man? Because this is one of those sports. The way it lays out, you could play it for both guys, and and I've I've batted this around in my head looking at it, and I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, I mean, and even looking at the other positions, like looking at Emil at silver, uh, Emil took a 15 kilo jump. So before that, Jonathan Kaiko was a bit above Emil on second attempts. So you can't look at it now and like, oh well, Jonathan could have got out five kilos and gotten silver because at that point it hadn't happened yet. Um, getting going to Emil's third. So then it's like, okay, do you go? When a meal hits 342.5, do you then go down to 342.5 to put yourself into first place? And then even if chance pulls after you and beats you, at least you get second place because you're totally more than a meal. But the other thing too is you have Gustav there at 350. So that means Gustav also goes after you. So what if then Gustav can then up his From 350 to 355 and beat you. So now you have to worry about, okay, well, I jumped the meal, but I have Gustav and Chance coming after me. So then it's like, okay, that's a similar thing if you went like 347 and you would have to go to 350 to go after Gustav based on lot number to see what Gustav does first. So that way you've seen Emil, you've seen Gustav, and then now you could put the pressure on chance, so there's that factor to his other lifters, and then with chance, he yeah, had the three seventy three point five even though he did have the hiccup on the first the three seventy three point five was clean and it looked like he had more in him so even if you think okay he didn't he didn't get the three eighty three clean at nationals, maybe he could get three eighty clean at nationals so Why would you give him the chance to just pull 375 or 377 or even 380? Make him pull something that he messed up at Nationals, just got lucky. Oh, and let me add half a kilo on there too. So that's a potential thing. If he did a 350, okay, you have to do 383.5 at Worlds when you already missed an attempt. And at Nationals, you had a little bit of downward motion. So yeah, like you said, maybe they would have gone 345 or 347.5, gotten it, and then Chance would have came back and gotten whatever he needed to pull. Um, So. And like you said too, Kaiko's two and a half kilos more than his PR. He had been making every lift since then, and he got it to his knees and just couldn't quite get it through. So it's a tough spot to be in.
0: It's tough, man. He like it wasn't it. It was he was rumbling. It looked like he might get it for half a second. He was. I mean, he's going to go out on the shield. That's how he's going to go out. It's so tough to make this. It, it, it's intru- I I am so glad that um, I'm in the commentary booth and I'm making these calls. Yeah. I mean you like uh, the, you guys have the toughest job. It's, seriously, I get, I I give the handlers um leeway because every everybody's going to have 2020 hindsight on you and uh, and you'll do it to yourself. And, and, and you'll <laughs> be like, "Fuck, we should have done this." And it's like don't beat yourself up on it, man, because how would you have known? Like honestly, this thing could have totally shifted and even if you did change up your third Again, chance, maybe chance would have hit just a couple with sumo and the way he pulls maybe just a couple kilo and he would have got, you know what I mean? Like you, you, you can't lower too much. Boy, you want to lower it like Chance is locked out 383 and he had to pass a PA Nats, man. Like it, it can happen. Like, uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's a- it's tough. It was, it was, it was dramatic, even though Chance was in the lead on the second and he's the bigger deadlifter. So he's in a good spot. It doesn't mean he has a one. It wasn't, it doesn't mean it was over. It just is. It's the most favorable position I could think of in powerlifting to be the bigger deadlifter and have it be in the lead after the second. But It wasn't over right to the very last deadlift. It was like holy shit. Uh, Well, until the second last deadlift, yeah, uh, or or whenever chances was. I was just sorry, Jonathan's was. I was
1: just gonna add in there too, yeah. That it's like tough because it's like all or nothing. Either you're the world champion or you're not the world champion. Doesn't show like how how close it was, and it's one time. So like maybe if we played this same lifters in the same event a hundred times. Maybe Kaiko wins fifty of them. Maybe Kaiko wins sixty of them. You're gonna Doctor Strangers right exactly. now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so it just happened to be the you know one of the times out of whatever the probability it was that Chance could win. That Chance ended up winning, and Kaiko ended up missing and getting third place. But yeah, maybe in a different scenario, you know, maybe they would have gone two forty point five on bench, or maybe they would have gone three forty five and hit. Um, but yeah, in another scenario, you would have gone three forty five. Keiko would hit and then chance would hit. And then all we'd be discussing is man, why didn't they go 347.5? What's wrong with them?
0: It's uh yeah, and exactly. We're gonna you could do this game back and forth and you beat yourself up about it. Um, but it was uh it was dramatic stuff, man. The ninety threes lived up. Um, I mean, even again, even like seeing guys who ended up falling behind and their totals went down like like Gavins did, for him to miss, move up. 15 kilo anyways and be like fuck it i'm at the world championships and i am not letting my day end like that even that is dramatic stuff you know even people who are off podium who are like it was good right from the beginning to the end Sa-
1: sasha tried the world record delve as well at three four, 374 in his third so even though he was having a bad day on Squam bench he, he's like yo let's go for the deadlift so he tried it too um and then just to mention Dave Superman, Ricks again, he got a world record in the Masters 3 on bench. He got sixth place in the bench as well. So sixth best in squat and bench ended up uh, with a, a world record total as well. So he didn't have the Delift that he wanted. But the fact that his squat and bench are, are uh, keeping up with these top five, top ten lifters is crazy.
0: Yeah. In his 60s, he ended up totaling 772.5 kilos. And again, he's traveling the world to do this. Be in your 60s pe- – bring your uncle dad or whatever in his sixties all over all over the world traveling and listen to him complain about his knees on the plane and listen to him complain here and there david ricks traveled 30 hours and multiple time zones and totaled 772.5 kilos and was squatting 305 kilos like 671 pounds after doing all that kind of travel like that, there's a reason why they call him Superman, man. The guy's in his 60s. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, the 93s was was absolutely bonkers. Um, and Chance Mitchell, man, becoming the world champion, it, his podcast blew up when he was on King of And I think, and I, I put some polls. I, I'm going to put the results of the polls. It's just been so crazy doing so many podcast episodes. Um, I'm trying to get as many people in while it's still hot and everybody, you know, still irrelevant. I'm gonna be dropping podcasts like crazy this week. But um, I'm gonna put the results of the polls, but Chance Mitchell's mopping up in terms of like who stole the show, who, you know, what session was the best men's session. Like, you know, the 93s and chance is like fuck he's a star, man. A star is born. Chance always wanted to get to the IPF worlds, and the first time he gets there, It was almost picture perfect, man. I guess picture perfect would have been he hit that final deadlift, but it almost became a moot point, huh?
1: Yeah, it's like it's, it's picture perfect as far as the end result, similar to Amanda Lawrence and Danielle Mello, where Amanda Lawrence lost to Danielle Mello at Nationals, and then someone else drops out and she gets on the team and goes to Worlds and has a battle down to the very last deadlift and ends up winning the world title.
0: Yeah, that's what's so amazing about this is he was an alternate. Chance wasn't even supposed to be there and Eric Kupperstein, hats off to him um a master two or three lifter I think two lifter actually master two lifter um in the 59 kilo class and there wasn't many 59s there at, at the PA Nats there's not a lot I mean look at the world championships we had six there's not a lot of men in the 59s and he made the national team but he wasn't going to be placing very high at the World Championships. It was going to be a fun experience. Um, you know, it, it, it is fun. It's the World Championships. But when he caught wind that a young guy in his prime like Chance Mitchell was an alternate and had the opportunity to possibly be on the team, Eric Kupperstein was like, look, it. there's one thing about fun. But kupperstein has been literally powerlifting for decades. He's had his memories and fun. When he caught wind, and hats off to him for this, when he caught wind, there's a young guy in his prime, and it's his dream. It means everything to him, and he has a chance of winning this. And he's waiting in the wings to possibly go. Kupferstein's like, listen, man, this means a heck of a lot more to you than it does to me. And he told Chance himself, I'm pulling out and you're going in, but you win this. (laughs) And he And Chance had to go against guys who had already previously beat him. He was the underdog and he pulled it off. Somewhere coppersteen was watching that being, all right. Kid. That a boy. That's how you do it. You brought it home. <laughs> and it um, honestly hats off to Eric, man. It's uh it's a it's a stand up guy thing to do to make that this when you're in your 50s and you've done so much and there's a young guy in his 20s and this is his dream and you know what he could put he could change his life. You know, Chance Mitchell, this will change Chance's life. Chance Mitchell isn't, doesn't have a day job and you know, he's a powerlifting coach with a powerlifting podcast and his life is his livelihood is based on power this a win changes all of that for him you know what i mean in terms of clientele and everything seminars and so for a guy like eric he's like nah fuck it man go change your life kid if this is actually going to happen for you that's a stand-up guy thing to do so i just want to say hats off to eric kuperstein about that um yeah. But yeah, any other closing thoughts on this, man? I mean, I was high on it just because of, of Chance's storyline, uh, the comeback and and all the comebacks from you know the multiple times he couldn't realize his dream, an alternate coming in here and defeating somebody who had defeated him previously. It's a fucking hell of it's a It's an underdog inspirational story that's got a lot of fi- light of fire on everybody's ass. And the fact that he missed his last deadlift and so did Jonathan – Actually makes it more people are going to talk about it. Even though it would have been better for chance to hit it because, like, you know, picture perfect for him. Nah, but now people can talk about what if this? What if that? What if? And that what if conversation gives this life even more. Now there's people in circles all over saying, What if this happened though? What if that happened? Or what if, well, I guess we got to do it again. And there you always want to set yourself up for a sequel. I haven't done a comparison to MMA and boxing yet, but here it is. (laughs) After your, after your fight and you win the title promotion for your next match begins right away, right afterwards, right away, right afterwards. You need to have a next to keep people interested. And because this ended the way it did, we have a next, you know, we have that. And in that polls, I said, what's the rematch you want to see in Jonathan Keiko versus Chance Mitchell. Let's fucking do it again, huh? We got some question marks around this. We got some, what if this, what if that's? I know how we're going to sort this out. We're going to fucking do it again, baby. And that's what you want when you're a world champion. You want people excited about you. You want showdowns to be had and you want the storyline to continue. Chance, even though he he might be like, oh, I would have liked to have had that last deadlift. Nah, brother. You. This is good. People are talking right now and you're the talk of the town right now because of this. You know, it ended up being good. Moving on to the 105s, love. Let's do it. Let's do it. In the 105s, we had some shakeups. It was uh, up, down, and all around. It's Emil Norling, Michael Davis, um, Abdul Suleiman, who, AKA Mo, and Mohammed Abdul Muhammad, as well as Coco Clement and uh, Ben Pape from Great Britain. It's a pretty stacked 105 kilo class now let's get this out the way due to the war in Ukraine, the returning or the world champion did not return in, in Anatoly, Novo Pitsumani. It's tough. I get it. Not only did Anatoly win last year's 105 kilo world title, he won best lifter, um, of the entire world championships. And you had stellar opposition at that world championships. Like the aforementioned Jonathan Keiko, Jesus, all um, Russell Orhi, have you heard of him? He's pretty good. You know all of these guys who are phenomenal lifters, and Anatoly won best lifter in that tournament. So it was difficult when Anatoly doesn't show up here. But here's a couple of caveats I want to add to that. What I would say: Yes, I wish Anatoly was there. But before 2021 rounded out, the European Championships rolled around, and Emil Norling and Anatoly went toe to toe, and Emil Norling in probably the upset of 2021. Pulled off a win over Anatoly. Now, Anatoly's total had dropped. It wasn't the Anatoly that had won worlds. I gotcha. But still, Emil Norling having a win over Anatoly in 2021 legitimizes what happens over here. Because if anybody says, yes, you won the world championships, spoiler alert, Emil wins this. But if anyone said, yeah, you won the world championships, but Anatoly wasn't there, Emil can now raise his hand and say, but. Kind sir, the last time I faced off with Anatoly, I actually got a win over him. And that happens. So let's walk into this. The squad event. Emil Norling ends up missing 330 in his opener, retaking 330 and hits 337 for his third and final. A little bit, if you're an uh, an Emil Norling fan, somewhat concerning. Not only did he miss 330 and retook 330 for a second attempt, he got it and he got his third. Previously, his personal best was 342.5. We're already five kilo below his previous personal best. All right. Okay. You're going to miss some lifts. Now, we had already said a couple times, several times in the show, sometimes when you miss your opener, you retake that weight to stay on. And it doesn't mean you're going to lose a little bit of ground, but it's the safe move to make. That's the move they opted to make in team. Sweden has killers for handlers. They know what they're doing. Obviously we know how the story ends, but he's five kilo behind his previous personal best on squat. So keep a, th- keep that in mind because USA's Michael Davis does not miss in the squat event. He ends up leaving three for three with a 330 kilo squat. Now, Emil Norling Still gets the gold in the squad event, but he's behind his personal best. Michael Davis gets a silver medal in the squad event, and that was his personal best, that 330. So there's a bit of two tails unfolding. And I could tell you when I was watching this live, I knew Emil wasn't having his best day, despite ending off with the gold medal in the squad event. And Michael Davis was on, taking that silver. Now, Mo from Great Britain ends up going three for three as well, hitting a 322.5, um, and, and Mo is having a great day. This is a PR for him, and he's uh, he's in sixth place in the squat event, but that's fine. He's got a massive deadlift. He's going to cover a lot of ground. He's got a workable bench press as well, so he just wants to be somewhat serviceable in the squat, and he's having a big squat day. Muhammad Abdul Muhammad hits a 325, and Coco Clement hits a 325. Now coco clement's previous pr was 325 so you might tell me all right so coco clement's having a good day or what no coco clement's not having a good day 325 was not the squat that he thought he's going to end off with um coco missed 315 retook 315 hit 325 for his third and final but coco's a junior lifter and he hit 325 like a year ago at last year's world's he was expecting to have approved upon a guy his age with a year's work, maybe or just shy of a year's work, is expecting to prove upon that. And he was hoping for so 325, despite matching a previous personal best, he's not where he wants to be. Um, ends off in the squad event in fourth position with uh, Abdul or Muhammad Abdul Muhammad taking the bronze medal. What were you thinking looking at the squad event? As it unfolded as I just laid out.
1: Yeah, I mean, as far as the top two guys, Emil and, and Mikey, you know, it started off probably as as good as it could go for Mikey. I believe like um, projected openers, uh, Emil was only two and a half kilos above and then Mikey was a lighter lifter. So like you're looking at the openers, you're like, okay, we're in a good spot and then we go into squats and Emil misses his first and ends up repeating it and only going up seven and a half kilos where Mikey gains twenty two and a half kilos from first to third. So he I, like you have to be really confident going there. It's like okay, we're we're in a tight race and Emil's already messing up and we're gaining ground and we're hitting PRS or something like that. Then as far as the other guys, you know, uh, Mo and then Mohammed from from uh, Libya probably felt confident as well because Mo put on like 27 kilos from first to third and Mohammed put on 25 kilos from first to third. So like you said, they were slowly starting to gain their ground onto the first and second guys in case those guys screwed up, they would be there to take advantage of it. And for Coco, unfortunately, I believe the opener was called for depth, which some of his training videos looked like he had issues with depth as well. Good that he was able to come back and get 325 on a third and matches PR. But yeah, like you said, um, I'm sure he was disappointed expecting more. So he was kind of the hole as well, um, going into bench press.
0: All is not lost, though. And I mean, Coco's a scrapper. Um, he's gonna keep his composure and he's staying in the game, he's still in the hunt. It's just he's a little further back than he would have liked. But the momentum on Michael Davis after the squad event, you know, the difference between Emil Norland. leaving the squad event you could tell on his face it wasn't where he probably wanted to be and the difference between Michael Davis leaving the squad event he was exactly where he wanted to be to fly across the world and face all he had faced um and still be hitting PRs you know you always wonder like what am I going to feel like when I get there and I mean obviously he felt good now looking let's go into the bench press event Emil Norling Opens up with 190, hits 197, second attempt, but misses 102. Emil Norling previously um, has hit 205. So for him to be leaving the bench press event with a 197.5 when he's previously hit 205, now he's seven and a half kilo blow his personal best bench press. Now, if you're an Emil Norling fan, you're becoming a little bit stressed. You're operating below your personal best on squat. You're operating below your personal best on bench press. And these are precious kilos you're going to need if you're going to win this. And you could see it on his face. Emil Norling is normally an extremely confident guy. He hits that platform with a smile ear to ear, almost like a smirk. Because he all, it's like he knows what's going to happen before it happens. That's how confident he is. You did not see that in the squat or the bench press event and the numbers don't lie. He can't fake it on the flip side. Michael Davis goes three for three, takes the gold medal in the bench press event and matches his previous personal best. So in terms of the wave of momentum, in terms of just the demeanor of the lifters, Michael Davis hitting a three for three in the squats, hitting a personal best three for three in the bench press, Taking the gold medal in matching his previous personal best. I mean, the way he felt like, holy shit, this might be Michael Davis's day. And Emil Norling had it written all over his face, holy shit, I'm having a bad day. And by the numbers, he was. You know, it wasn't even just like he had over expectations, which sometimes I mean, think, not even sometimes almost every time lifters have over expectations. Legitimately was underperforming it was setting up what would be a very dramatic deadlift event but we'll we'll put a pin in that and get back to it later. Mo representing Great Britain takes the bronze medal going 3 for 3 um hitting 202.5 and that is a personal best for him. So Mo like Michael Davis having a phenomenal day um you know having a great squat session hitting a personal best, having a great bench press session having hitting a personal best and it's the deadlift that really mo shines. So in terms of setting himself up to cover some ground. This is where he's going to shine. Uh, Muhammad Abdul Muhammad takes the silver medal in the bench press with a 210 kilo bench, also going three for three. And Coco Clement, whom we said matched his previous personal best for squat, but he expected more, only hits his opener on bench press. And now things are getting a little bit dire. Uh, in the, after the squat event, all wasn't lost. He was hoping for better, but it's okay. He went two for three. Leaving the bench press event with just the opener, it's getting tough. It, the day's not over, but it, it's a tougher and tougher proposition. Um, I'll, I'll rattle off the subtotals for you here, Irene, and then I'd like to get your thoughts. But Michael Davis, at the subtotal mark, had a 550 kilo subtotal. Emil Norling... Had a 535 kilo subtotal. Mo had a 525 kilo subtotal. Muhammad Abdul Muhammad had a 535. Coco had a 525. Now, let me also give you this. And this is why Michael Davis was confident when it's coming out of the squat, coming out of the bench press, and when I was watching this live. Michael Davis had a 550 kilo subtotal. And his best previous deadlift was 365. Emil Norling had a 535 subtotal. His previous biggest pull was 375. So he's trailing by 15 kilo, but his deadlift was only 10 kilo more than Michael Davis previously. You see the spread here. And this, his squat was down his bench was down and Michael Davis on the flip side squat was up and bench was on the money. So best case scenario, deadlifts both of these guys, Davis has him, but the indication on how the day was rolling out, Davis is trending up. Emil is trending down. That's why the deadlift event ends up being special. And this is where at the European championships in 2021, the big upset over over Anatoly, the 2021 best lifter at the World Championships, came down to the very last deadlift, and he's become the miracle man, where he starts pulling off miracles. And amir Norling, it was the the storyline. Did he have one more miracle tonight? When you started losing faith, could he actually pull this off? What were your thoughts after the squat event, the the bench press event? We have our subtotals established. We know what these gentlemen have previously done on deadlifts. Michael Davis is happy as fuck, and it looks like he's got all the momentum. And Emil Norling is underperforming. What were you thinking?
1: Yeah, I mean, uh, basically reiterating the stuff that you were saying is that, again, um, Emil screwed up on bench press, you know, didn't screw up, but missed the third attempt, which held him back a little bit. Whereas uh, Mikey, again, making three lifts, tying his PR. And so, yeah, I was going to mention the same thing you had mentioned as far as being up 15 kilos on subtotal. Then the other thing, one, you're looking at previous PRs. The other thing is looking at the current is that in the current moment, Mikey was also opening up five kilos more than meal on deadlift. So you're already up 15 kilos and you're gonna be opening up five kilos more on deadlift. So then you're up 20 kilos Going into second attempt delfts So you're you're kind of in the, in the best position that you want to be. You have the body weight as well. You guys have similar deadlifts. So it's gonna be hard for him to gain ground. So everything was going well for him. And then for these other guys, yeah, like you said, Mo and Mohammed from Libya did well as well, making three for three benches, getting on the podium for the bench press medals. And then they have the weaker deadlifts going in but as we'll see later on as we go into Delos, is that everyone takes different jumps. Some people take smaller jumps, some people take bigger jumps. So your opener may be, you know, lighter, but then you could take bigger jumps and pass them. And unfortunately for Coco, at that point, he wasn't out, like you said, but yeah, missing two benches, really put him behind. He would have to start pushing towards his PR Delos of 365 or above just to potentially get in the fourth and maybe fight for, for the bronze medal. So he was really in a tough spot going in there. But again, like for me watching... Mikey was in the best position possible going in to deadlifts and even after the first deadlift.
0: So you're like, I'm, honestly at that moment when I'm watching this and, and I know in the preview show, um, I had picked a mill, but I think while Bill had picked Michael Davis and watching it, I said on the air, I was like, look at this is looking like Michael Davis, but if he has a chink in the armor it is the, the the slippage coming out of his hands with the deadlifts and it's happened to him. It happened to him at PA Nats. If it's, that's it. If that's the only way a is going to start catching up right now. However, having said that, watching it, I had the feeling like, holy shit, this is Michael Davis's day.
1: Were you thinking the same? Yeah, th- I was thinking the same. Um, Bill picked... Emil because you guys had the same picks. I picked Mike. Oh, did? Okay. Yeah, I picked Mike. You did then. Sorry. So obviously I'm biased going in. I picked Mikey. I know he had the grip issues at nationals, but in training, he had pulled some big lifts without straps and held it. So I felt like his grip was good. Um, I think he had still like one heavy strap pull in there as well. Maybe just to test where his strength is at without being a grip issue. Uh, but yeah, everything was pointing towards a good day for him. And Emile, his numbers were down a little bit from his best. And I thought, you know, maybe his numbers would be down again because nothing in training was necessarily pointing towards me thinking he's going to hit like a big PR total. So, yeah, I thought it was Mikey's day. Everything was going well for him. But, yeah, the one variable which we discussed on the preview show was whether Mikey's grip would hold up because it did not hold up at Nationals and held him back.
0: Okay, let's get into the deadlifts then. We've we've warmed it up. So, (laughs) Emil Norlin opens up a 340. Michael Davis opens up 5 kilo above Emil Norling with 345. Mo hits a 322.5. And it's interesting because Mo has a very big deadlift on him. And it's very interesting how these lifters all open up and where they end up. Mo would jump from 322.5 all the way to 360 kilos from his opening to second deadlift. That is a fucking monster spread. However, some people like to solidify the total, and they know if they're going to hit their top end big deadlift, they need to reserve energy. They don't have three big deadlifts in them; they have one, maybe two. So they want to get the opener light and start making some big jumps. And from his third to from his second to his third, he had a more reasonable twelve and a half kilo jump. We'll get to that in a second. Muhammad Abdul Muhammad opens up with a three hundred and twenty kilo deadlift and moves to 340 for a second that he hits coco clement opens up a 340 coco has previously hit 365 coco has a big deadlift on him unfortunately wasn't his day coco would end up going just one for three in the deadlift event finishing his day with 865 total he's totaled 30 kilo more than that and that's last year capability wise he's obviously going to be somewhere into the 900s wasn't for today but um, it is what it is. Now Abdul Mohammed goes three for three in the deadlift event. Ends off with an eight eight five. His final deadlift is three eighty five. Um,
1: final deadlift is three Mo 350. from Gre- Sorry, you said fi- three fifty. Yeah. Sorry,
0: sorry, uh, and eighty five is his, is uh, is his final total. Moe ends up with going from 360 to 372.5. That is the silver medal in the deadlift. He's got a monster deadlift in him. Uh, I'm trying to remember if that's going to be a British record back home because of that historic British battle where they tossed around the national record back and forth in the 105s. I'm wondering if he ended up getting it there, but... Ends off leaving with an 875.5 kilo total. Mo going nine for nine and having the day of his life, man. I mean, he ends up in the podium in the bronze medal position. Nine for nine PRs. And I mean, he's got a fucking hell of a bright future on this kid. And talk about a showman. When he comes out for the deadlift event, he puts on a show, man. He was stealing the show with it. The crowd loved him. He loved it. His energy rises as the competition goes on some people the energy starts depleting mo literally is like somewhat sleepwalking through the bench or through the squat event it's a little more serious in the bench press event and um i mean it kind of shows like in the squat he's good obviously six and he's sixth place in the world but in the bench press event he's taking home medals and then in a the deadlift event, um, he goes from a bronze medal in the bench rest to a silver medal in the deadlifts. And he starts warming up as, as the competition goes. I mean, I think if this was a 12 lift event, um, Mo would have been <laughs> just just right on peak. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he does. Hopefully he's at the European Championships and we could see maybe a clash between him and Sam Watt again, the 50 year old legend, the living legend, Sam Watt. Um, I want to see Mo and him clash one more time. Because um, I know both of them are aiming for the 900 and up. But let's get to it. Michael Davis misses 360. Going hook grip on a second attempt. Taking a 15 kilo jump from 345. You go to the back and you got to start wondering. They go to the back and you got to start wondering with Team USA. Holy shit, Michael. A 345 opener is not going to be enough to clinch this if you're going to become a world champion. You need to put more pressure on a mill. A mill is having a bad day, but not that bad of a day that you're going to clinch just with an opener. You need this second attempt weight. And he missed it on grip issues. And if you've been paying attention, obviously seeing his previous performances, this might have been an issue that popped up and ends up popping up. With 360, they end up taking 360 once more. And instead of coming out with the hook grip, he switches to the mix. The mixed grip over under, and this ended up being all the difference for Michael Davis. Hits 360 kilos and ends off with a 910 kilo total and forces the hand of Emil Norling. Now, Emil Norling, who hit 362.5 for a second attempt, an 800 pound second attempt, now has to load up with 377.5 kilos for the win. Now, we had already said Emil was not having his... He was underperforming all day. And he's being asked for, to pull the biggest deadlift he's ever pulled. Team USA has played this perfectly exactly as they could. With the cards they were given. They got everything they could out of their lifter. It took two tries to get 360. So, 360 is probably on the money with how high you want to go with this. And they're forcing Emil to load up with something that he's never hit previously. In order for him to win. They did all they could. Now they got to sit back and watch. Will the Miracle Man have one more miracle to pull? And Emil Norling walks out to 377.5. That's like 830 some odd pounds. And the smile that was on his face all day missing suddenly appears. And it's like, oh, shit. Here it is. This is that... That big eraser, where when you make mistakes in the squat and you wish you could erase it, you make mistakes in the bench and you wish you could erase it. When you have a deadlift like a Emil Norling, you can erase all those those mistakes with one big pull, and that's the advantage an Emil Norling has. Last year at the World Championships against Anatoly, Anatoly built up such a fucking sizable total into the 930s, he couldn't but he faces them off in the European championships and it totally slips up a little. Now the big guns come out and here at the world championships, he wields the Excalibur and swings it for the world title. And, um, for, I mean, Emil Norling, if you've been following him, 2019 world champion and won it with the last deadlift. As a matter of fact, in that championship hit his opener, didn't come out for a second, because he wanted to conserve his energy and put all his chips on his final deadlift. That's the confidence Emil Norling has on his final deadlift. He's literally not come out for a second and said, "We're going all in on the third. Load up the wind. I'm just going to conserve my energy. Thank you very much." When you have a final deadlift like that, that's what you could do. What were you thinking when this happened, sir?
1: Yeah, like kind of like I was saying, you know, going into Dallas, I thought Mikey had everything going for him after the opener, Dallas. I think Mikey had everything going for him as well, and the U.S. coaching team was maximizing his lifts. He's doing well. Then the good thing that the Swedish team did is because you know they're behind 15 kilos in the subtotal after or Delos, you're behind 20 kilos, so they're they have to put their second attempt in before Mikey because Emil's pulling first. So they're behind 20 kilos and they don't have body weight, so they take that 22 and a half kilo jump to 362.5, saying, "Hey, we'll just stay." one step behind Mikey so on our second attempt we'll go in the lead and if Mikey makes his second he'll go in the lead then on our third attempt we'll go in the lead and then Mike has to make his third attempt to go in the lead so that's a kind of like, like the game you have to play when you're that far behind So they were smart to put in at 362.5. there's no point in doing anything less than that and then you're at that point just because the way it played out, Mikey ends up going to pull first. So Mikey goes and misses the 360. So now you're like, okay, the Swedish team is exactly where they want to be. You go pull 362.5, and now you've flipped it. So now he pulls a 362.5. This whole time Mikey was in the lead. And then now in the eighth attempt, you know, in the ends of the fourth quarter or in the third period, whatever, boom, now Emil's in the lead. Now the pressure is on Mikey and the US team because Now you don't have the lead. Now it goes back to the scenario we talked about. When you're the weaker deadlifter and you're not in the lead, you need to make the lift. You have to figure out what's your potential to make the lift or else it's over. And then in this case, you just missed your second attempt deadlift too. So you could have gone, hey, I'm going to switch to mixed grip. Let's slow up 365 or let's slow up 370. But if you miss, it's game over. So they said, okay, we already took a 15 kilo jump. Let's repeat the 360, uh, switch your grip, hope it holds, make it and put the pressure on Emil to then have to take that final jump and pull for the win. So yeah, at that point, they did the best thing they could. And Mikey had everything going his way, the perfect day. And then that second attempt changed everything. And uh, it's interesting that like, Uh, how the pendulum swings in certain things when it comes to powerlifting. So a lot of people have been trying to switch to hook grip and pulling hook grip, but having grip issues or using straps and doesn't transfer in a meet. And now a lot of these guys are switching back to mixed grip. So we'll see if Mikey switches back to mixed grip. And it's one of those what ifs you think. If he was pulling mixed grip for the whole time here and he had Mm. gotten the second, what would he he have put on for the third? Could he have made a third? And then Emil would have to have gone 382.5 or 385. And maybe Mikey would have won.
0: Wow, and that's where if you're a Mill Norling fan, you'd be like, "I believe in miracles, and this is the Miracle man, and he probably would have like it, it's 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 tough. You could go back and forth, right? Um, or if Michael Davis hit 360 and he went up, how much would he have gone up? Maybe he had five kilo in him, but he would have went up seven and a half. like it's just it's so tough, right? Like it's uh, yeah, but after Michael Davis hit that 360 on his third, I know it was Emil Norland, and I know what Norland does. But for a second there, I was like, "Oh shit!" <laughs> like it, 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 swung back and forth. Like when Michael missed three sixty on a second, I'm like, "Oh fuck, here we go." But then when he came back and hit, and and he and and Norland, I know he's good, and I know you know he's got a big dead. But it was a PR dead, and he wasn't PRing that day. So you know, Michael was confident after hitting that third dead. Not like he was like, I for sure am the world champion, but he felt, he, and he should, he he came back and hit a lift he had previously missed. The feeling he probably had after missing 360, and you had already said, it just swung out of him. He just lost, he lost the lead, he lost, like, you know, he lost the momentum, it was, oh shit, and, and Norling hit three sixty two point five. You know, it, all of a sudden it's like, oh my god, we're, you know, we were just on a roll now and somehow we lost it. He regained it. And then not only did he regain it, now he knows we're going we're gonna to ask of Norling to do something he's never done before and he's not having a great day. This is, this is we're back into the good feeling, the good vibes, right? So it's, it was so back and forth. It was such a good battle. Came down right to the last deadlift. And again, I wouldn't be mad at seeing a rematch. I mean, if you told me these guys are rematching, Michael Davis and Emil Norling are rematching, who's going to win? I don't fucking know. This is a flip of the coin because now just like the 93s, we have to have that conversation. What if Michael Davis is always mixed gripping now in the rematch right through? And, and, and now he's got that third deadlift.
1: And on, on the flip side, people in Emile's camp can say, "Well, what if we get back to PR territory and squat and bench?" Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly. Oh, yeah, they'll be like, "Oh, yeah." Well, what if our boys back to hitting PR squat, PR bench, or even just matching? Let alone hitting. You know, you you, you say back and forth, which is a, this is exactly what you want if you're going to try to set up a rematch. We don't know who's going to end up in Sheffield. But when they're picking their Sheffield cards, this is what they want. This is what they're looking for is like, was there questions that we could still answer? Like, no one wants to run away. All right, this guy won by a landslide. Let's rematch those guys. It's like, well, <laughs> that's not entertaining. Whereas the 93s, Keiko versus Chance. Yeah, let's rock and roll. The 105s, Michael Davis versus Emil. Yeah, let's rock and roll. Let's see what happens. Um, it's, it's good stuff. Any other notes or should we move on to the 120s, Funny Bunny?
1: Uh, the, the other thing I was going to mention as far as the battle for third place, like, um, I'm looking at real quick. It looks like Mo was behind on opener delifts. so then they took the big jump that put him into third place on the second attempts and then uh, Mohammed from Libya took the 10-kilo jump for the third to get back into third place on body weight and then Mo had to pull. The interesting thing is Mo didn't have to pull that much because they were tied on body weight, so Mo could have just gone you know, 2.5 kilos more, or he could have waited to see what Coco and some of these other guys do and do 5 kilos more or 7.5. So they must have felt very confident and had other goals in mind to go 12.5 to regain the bronze. It, it does look like he broke the British record as well because it was 368 from Nationals, so he got that as well. So maybe they had different goals there as well, but um, it was still, I guess you can call it a risky play where you didn't need a 12.5 and you had missed, then you would have been in 4th place.
0: There's something to that, but now I forget what it was. And I fucking think he told me. And now I forget what why they did that. <laughs> Either way, I mean they went nine for nine, and um, you know, they 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 obviously know what the background story is. Damn it, I wish I knew now. Uh, but whatever. All's ends well, well, he gets the bronze medal goes nine for nine and fucking what, has us all asking for more. Was it, so. was
1: it anything to do with like uh, Sheffield? Let's see. I'm not sure, man. I, I guess he, he did do over. It didn't really matter. That wasn't the exact number, but he did do over Sheffield as far as, you know, maybe trying to get in as alternate because it looked like it would be 890. Um, Yeah. So maybe there's other things going on on there as well.
0: Yeah. Either way. um, Yeah. I wonder what the hell it was. Anyways. So moving on to the 120s and the 120s, obviously, we all knew Lugo from the U.S. He was the number one nomination. He was definitely the heavy favorite. Um, and he's like a fan favorite, man. I had him on the podcast and in terms of like, when you meet him in real life, like, like he for real is like such a fucking nice guy and like so approachable and is like, um, you know, you just, you know, when you hang around somebody, he's a good dude. If he walks in the room, everybody's like, Hey, so he's a fan favorite, but also, Oh, a number's favorite. He was coming in with the biggest nomination, coming from the US, had lots of hype behind him, um, as well as the veteran like Carl Somerseth, uh, Nico Peru from France, moving up uh, from the juniors as well as from 105s. He's coming in light. He's only 110 kilo, but he's a hell of a lifter. The Canadians, Eric Willis, former world champion in the 120s, uh, Bryce Krawczyk, who's a world record breaker in the deadlifts. Also in the field. So we had a really good field in the 120s. Now, as it as it started unfolding, um, Eric Willis, the previous world champion, missed 290 twice and ended up hitting it on his third and final attempt. Eric makes the most ground in the bench and the deadlift, which is kind of rare. I know. Usually, if you're a big deadlifter, um, you're not a big bencher and vice versa, he's broken national records in the deadlift. However, uh finishing 15th in the squad event really set him back and only having the opening weight the former world champ was pretty far back i mean he's not he didn't just win the world's 2000 in 2018 2019 he had medals i I think he took the silver medal like he's a perennial contender anyways but he had a bad day and um, i I think he might have been nursing some injuries so he had lost some ground now the other canadian bryce krochek and then having a pretty good day going three for three hitting a 317.5 kilo squat that's 700 pounds and that's a PR day for him going three for three. Um, Nico Peru goes two for three, ends up doing a 320 kilo squat, finishing off in sixth place. Uh, and Lugo from the US goes three for three, ends off with the bronze medal and a 340 kilo squat. Now, his previous personal best was 347.5. I believe in training, I've seen him hit around there, around 350 range, maybe a stitch more. So 340 is a little bit below what he had previously done, but he flew to the other side of the world. Um, You know, there's a lot, he had to cut all, you know, he either cut some weight, if I remember correctly. Some people are asking what his body weight was. He's used to cutting weight, but try that after you were at altitude and flew across the world. Your body does get stubborn and starts hanging on to it. So the US gets three out of three from him and he collects his first medal with the bronze medal. Um, however, the Algerian, Sad Mohamed, takes gold with a monster 365 kilo squat, going three for three. And if you're wondering, well, first off, Francois Meritz takes silver with a 340-kilo squat. Now, if you're wondering who set, uh Sahad Mohamed from Algeria, taking this gold medal in the squat, 365 kilos, going three for three, and everybody's probably thinking, like I was thinking, who the fuck is mm-hmm. that guy? It's um, quote Conor McGregor. He has no record in the past three years in open powerlifting. So in the last time he had squatted three years ago, he just hit a 310 kilo squat. A lot can happen in three years, obviously. I mean, Turbo Tiff just won best lifter. And three years ago, she was an amateur boxer. You understand what I'm saying? A lot happens in three years. So scouting the Algerian was literally impossible. You would never have seen him coming. After the squat event, when he hits 365 kilo, you see him coming. This is insane. This is a, a 804 pound squat. Now, is he a big squatter and he doesn't have a bench and he doesn't have a deadlift? We've seen that in the earlier sessions, in the earlier weight classes. Maybe, but it's hard to tell. We have nothing on him in open powerlifting in the last three years. That's, that's, that's like three years is like someone's entire lifting career is at the top end anyways. What were you thinking after the 120s had concluded their squat event?
1: Yeah, I mean, with uh, Mohammed from Algeria, it definitely came out of nowhere because initially I didn't see him at the top of the nominations. He was like six or seven or something like that. So I don't know if initially he was in a different weight class and they shifted him over or if he was like nominated lower and they updated his nomination. Because we were looking at it for for Nick for Nico to see if he was going to make the prime time or not. And he was in. And I, then we saw him drop a spot. So not sure where he came out of. Or it could have even been a late ad. Because sometimes the IPF has taken some late nominations if a country submits it like a day late or something like that. So something happened where he literally came out of nowhere as far as the nominations. I hadn't seen him on there. And then like you said, his data is from three years ago and a lower weight class. So there can be a lot of changes since then. And then you, sh- you show up to the meet. You see these openers. And you're like, holy crap. He's not... nominated sixth or seventh he could potentially win this he's battling it at the top so great on him to hit 365 and get the gold medal for enrique yeah he gets called on depth for the on the opener so they only went up a small amount got that and then you know probably had to adjust something between maybe a second or third so maybe if he had gotten the opener they would have gone more maybe like you know 332 or 335 for the second to be able to go like 345 or something like that for the third so they had to shift it down there a little bit um for, for Nico, he had initially gotten that third squat, but they overturned it to a no lift. So that kind of hurt him losing out on those five kilos uh, with Bryce. You know, that's kind of what he was saying in his YouTube videos leading up that three seventeen point five is around where he wants to be. So perfect, perfect day for him on squats. And then for uh, Eric Willis. Yeah, unfortunately, he didn't do well at nationals. And then um, here he's getting called on depth. And yeah, maybe he's dealing with an injury. I know he has a kid, so he's maybe dealing with that as well. So unfortunately, not a good start for him on, on squat.
0: And uh, Carl Somerseth, um, who finished in the squat event in eleventh, but he covers a lot of ground with his deadlift and bench press, um, it goes three for three as well with a three twelve point five kilo squat. So moving into the bench press event, if we had thought that Sahad Muhammad or Muhammad Sahad, sorry, um, it was an aberration with it the squat, and like he's he's not going to be able to continue this in the bench press and deadlift event. Proved to be wrong. Goes three for three in the bench press event. Finishes with a 220 kilo bench press and takes the bronze medal. Now we're getting a stitch concerned. Not overly concerned because Enrique Lugo hits a 230 kilo bench press, takes the silver medal. So he's nudged ahead in that event and he's gaining some ground, but he does miss that 240 kilo third attempt. And that's 10 kilo that could have been towards his total. Carl Somerset, who I just mentioned, uh, he goes two for three. But instead of finishing 11th in the squats, now he's in the top five in the bench press event. He's covering a little bit of ground. Nico from France ends up going three for three, uh, but he's around eighth in the bench press event. That's okay. He's got a pretty big deadlift on him. He's still in the hunt in the top five overall. He's going to cover some ground. Going three for three built his case for that. Bryce Krawcheck from Canada. Not a big bench presser, but has a monster deadlift on him. Goes three for three, hits 185. And if I take a look here, um, he has hit 195 previously. Now, keep in mind the 10 kilo spread from 185 to to 195 because that ends up being pivotal for him. But he's not a big bench presser and he's a monster deadlifter, obviously broken the world record in deadlift but dropping 10 kilo for from his previous personal best on bench press ends up really hurting him in the long run. He doesn't cover a lot of ground in the bench press, but he can't lose that much ground in the bench press either. So he ends up with a 185 and in 12th position. Um, looking at some of the other contenders, Eric Willis, he hits 220, he hits 235, ends up missing 240, and this is really the highlight of his day. Um, Eric Willis from Canada, who had a, a pretty bad squat session in 15th place. Complete contrast in the bench press and takes the gold medal in the bench press event. Still probably not what he wanted. Obviously, he had missed his third bench press, but gets the gold medal and he's got a little bit more positive momentum. So now that we're looking at this. I'll rhyme off to you the subtotals and then let me get your impression. Sad Muhammad hits A 585 kilo subtotal. Keep in mind, all of his previous open powerlifting numbers are super old, so we don't know what to expect with his deadlift. Lugo on subtotals is 570. And he does have a pretty big deadlift on him. Carl Somerseth has 530. Nico Peru is 532.5. And Bryce Krocek is 502.5. Now, Bryce 502.5 has probably the biggest deadlift of the pack. I mean, he's got the biggest deadlift of all time in the 120s. He is the world record holder. What were you thinking at this point um, in the competition when the bench press concludes and we're looking at the deadlifts?
1: Yeah, with, with Muhammad, like you said, he did a great job going three for three Gets the bronze medal and bench press, Continued to pad his total uh, versus Lugo it seemed a little bit of aggressive going 220, 230, 240, like going 10 kilos and 10 kilos. That second attempt really has to fly to be able to do that. And his PR is 230. So now you're trying to go for like a, a 10 kilo PR when you're in a battle at worlds and squat started a little bit shaky as well. So obviously it's easy for me to say, Oh, they should have gone 235 or 237.5, but it just looked like a little bit aggressive, but they still did gain 10 kilos on bench, but they could have potentially had more. And so, yeah, it hurts them now on subtotal. That, like you said, he's fifteen kilos behind on subtotal, and they're opening up with the same deadlift. And Lugo weighs heavier, so it's a tough spot to be in for him. Um, with Nico, he get he turns around, goes three for three on bench, so he's in a good spot going into deadlifts. With Bryce, he he was dealing with injuries. So I believe at nationals he did one seventy just to you know just to get some lifts in and. His 170 flew, his 180 flew, and I think the coaches were trying to convince him to go, you know, 187 or 190. He went conservative, 185, and the 185 was fast as well. So when he comes off of the third attempt bench, you can see him shake his head like, man, I should have listened and gone more because that could have also helped him out when it went to deadlift. And then, yeah, great on, like you said, on Eric Will's to be able to get the gold medal on the bench press and get 235 to help out his total in the battle going into the deadlift, which normally has a big deadlift as well.
0: And you got to wonder, Bryce Krawcheck, if he knew when he's leaving, you're like, fuck, I might have just fucked myself. <laughs> I might have cut it. I went three for three, but I got a big deadlift. I got the biggest deadlift, but this might have been a little bit too far. Um, so Sahad, and in terms of Lugo and the Americans going going aggressive on the bench, it might have been they're looking at Sahad and like, holy shit. And subtotal he's 585 and we're 570. Like they ended up being at that. And maybe they're like, we're under some unanticipated fire here. We came in the number one nomination and this guy came out of nowhere and is in the lead and retaining the lead. And I mean, maybe they just felt the pressure and they're like, look it, um, what do you want to do here? We have to get, if you want to walk away the world champion, we got to start getting risky. Maybe that was a conversation. Um, I mean, it's it's like you said, it's easy to go 2020 hindsight when he had missed to be like, go lighter but if he went lighter and still ended up coming second we'd be doing the bryce crotch conversation being like you should have went heavier huh right that's why it's easier to podcast and that's why i do what i do buddy i just run that's why
1: we love the recap shows
0: (laughs) that's why i'm a fucking king at the recap show so huh but uh but anyway so going into the deadlift event let me pull this up here i got my notes but i want to pull up the actual scorecard here so Nico misses or or hits 325, goes up 20 kilo, misses 345, ends up going up 5 kilo anyways, and hits 350. And you don't often see that. The spread between his total. I mean, we're kind of an all or nothing proposition now. To either be moving forward towards your total with 350 or 325, it's a nice spread there. It's a nice, decent jump, um, but he had also, right beneath him from Belgium, Olivier, I think I said that right, ended off, was super close with an 880 uh, kilo total. Nico ending up with an 882, so he's defending there, grabbing some team points. Even if you don't end up on the podium, by the way, every ranking you are deeper is more points for your national team. So it's more than just the podium finish, it's also collecting points for your national team you got to keep in mind. Um, Eric Willis hits a 330 kilo opener moves up to 357.5 misses, moves up to 367.5 misses and doesn't have the deadlift day that he's capable of, doesn't have the deadlift day that he wants, is in ninth place for deadlift and uh, just pretty far back on where his capabilities normally would be. Oh, by the way, Nico takes a bronze medal with that 350 kilo deadlift. So that's also something that he was snagging um, along the way. Carl Somerseth hits a 310 kilo deadlift, Moves to 337 and a half and is good. Then moves all the way up to 360 for a monster deadlift. Takes the bronze medal in the deadlift. Or sorry, silver medal in the deadlift. He's got a monster deadlift on him. And is now moved into position for the bronze medal overall. And Bryce Krawcheck of Canada loads up. So he hits 357 and a half. Moves to 372.5 and loads up 390 kilo. Um, and this would pull him if i'm doing this properly is this not the weight that would have pulled him into the bronze medal I'm trying to do my math here for bryce you mean for bryce crotchet
1: yeah I would have given him yeah
0: 892.5 yes and that would have bumped carl off the podium and given him that and that's where um had he loaded up just a stitch more because he had hit He's previously hit 385.5 and that's the world record deadlift that he holds. So loading up 390 is a big ask. And that's where that five to 10 kilo spread on bench press means all the world. When you, and it's difficult when you're the bench or the deadlift specialist because you're trying to you're trying to go six for six leading at the deadlift, but not leave too many kilos on a total where you have to have way too big of an ask for your final deadlift. 3.85.5, he's hit, and it's the world record. 3.90, he's never hit. That five, that extra 5 kilo in between there, if he could have went 3.85 instead, if he would have put 5 kilo on the bench press, and this is the 2020 hindsight, coulda, woulda, shoulda, and you have to wonder when he's walking off that bench press, walking off the platform, telling himself, damn, I think I have 5 more kilo. I hope this doesn't end up biting me later on unfortunately it did so when we tell the story of Bryce Krawcheck and you find out okay Bryce Krawcheck ended up in sixth place it isn't quite what it looks like you know some people like wow you finished sixth so you were never really in it though huh yes he absolutely was in it right up to the very last deadlift this is the way it goes for a deadlift specialist where you're pulling to get possibly in a bronze medal position and you rightfully are in the conversation for the podium but if you miss you're falling back quite a bit because the jumps on deadlift are pretty big. And um, so he absolutely is in the conversation for a medal overall, just didn't work out his way. And as it turns out, it was the bench press that bit him, not the deadlift. Uh, 390 is a, is a pretty big ask for 120 kilo deadlifter. Um, so anyways, that's how it finishes off that day. Now let's, t- let's look at the top ends and I'll, I'll get your opinion on all the shake up and you can break it down further if you like as well. But, Lugo hits a 3.20 and Sahad hits a 3.20. Now I already told you in terms of subtotals, Sahad's got a 15 kilo jump on Lugo and now they're opening up the same. Sahad's next deadlift is 3.35. Lugo opts for 3.40. He's starting to close the gap a little bit, Lugo. So now he's moved up five kilo ahead on the deadlift event. He's still a little bit behind on the total. In the third and final deadlift for sahad he tries 345 right now he's resting with a 920 kilo total he wants to bump that up to a 930 kilo total that's what he's hoping is going to extend lugo lugo loads up 352.5 right now lugo is at a 910 kilo now i want to just pull up something here Just for a little bit of context, if I may. At, uh, at PA Nats, Lugo hit a 920 kilo total and pulled 342.5. So at PA Nats, the winning total here at the World Championships of 920. Lugo has hit and is capable of hitting. It's the 342.5 that he hit at PA Nats. Previously, he had squatted more with 347.5. So him being asked for a 352.5 was PR territory. Not a huge PR. He's hit 347 and a half. So a five kilo personal best by no means is, are we talking like, oh my God, this is a massive. However, this is where when you double back and the race ends up being this close and it's kind of a common theme when you miss your opener and it's not on, on depth or anything like that, or sorry, it's not on strength. That's when you have to have that conversation. Do you want to move up? Do you want to retake it? If we're moving up, do we take our plan second? Or we do somewhere in between your plan first and your plan second? And now you're adjusting. So when you leave the squat event a little further back than you had planned, when you end up on the deadlifts, sometimes it comes back to bite you. And it's difficult because it wasn't on, on a, a strength issue that he, he ended up leaving the squat a little bit behind. And this is where... He conceivably would have had a 920 total. 920. If you look at the totals and you're asking and you're just looking at totals, you're telling yourself, "Fuck, man, 920 was the winning total." Lugo was capable of 920, but you have to look at the numbers and understand how the the attempts ended up playing out. Why? And this is why how sports don't always end up unfolding just with the numbers like that. Where nah, but he ended up getting called on his opener, had to make that tough decision. They did this second dead, or sorry, second squat and had to move from there. And this is why he ended up in that tough proposition where he's pulling a PR deadlift. Now still, five kilo PR, not the craziest. It was within reason, ends up missing and not being able to cover the gap. And Lugo ends up with a silver medal. And Sahad Mohammed from Algeria ends up with the gold medal. And Carl Somerset from Norway ends up with a bronze medal with a 980 and Kraczek missing on 390 and ending off off the podium. Um, what are your thoughts with this, my man? Here's another one where I'd love a rematch because as I've already said, I know Lugo was capable of, of a 920 or beyond, you know, um, obviously Algeria is a much easier travel within the continent of Africa than Lugo coming over from us. I'm not trying to make excuses, but that's fact. I know for a fact Lugo is capable of 920. And I think you might even be judging off his training numbers, probably better than 920. It's just the way it played out. This is the way sports goes. A call goes against you instead of goes for you. Now you got to readjust a little bit, comes back. And then, oh, on top of that. So when you readjusted and the Americans decided, Let's not go potentially with our plan second. That actually wasn't a bad idea. They didn't fucking know what Sahad was going to do. None of us did. How were they to know how this is going to unfold? Maybe if they rematched, they'd be like, well, fuck me. If we get called on our opener, we're going with our plan second. Now, because they know Sahad, but none of us knew what Sahad was going to end up doing. So you can't fault the Americans. They're playing with the cards they were dealt and they're taking the information in real time. What were your thoughts on all this?
1: So, yeah, I mean, you know, with Sahad, you don't don't know what he's capable of hitting. um, But he did leave the door open by missing that final Delph and giving uh, Lugo a chance. Uh, Unfortunately, it was just technical issues where where it was depth on squat. And I'm pretty certain on the third Delph Lugo got it and they called him for lockout. I think it was like his knees that that were soft. So technical issue on squat, maybe a little bit aggressive on bench, but who knows? We never know. And technical issue on Delph. So if he had cleaned up one or both of those he would have been the world champion. So uh, unfortunately, I just didn't go his way as far as, far as that aspect. Um, and and I don't know if we can call this the biggest upset of the world championship. Because on one hand, you could say this is the biggest upset. It was no one. No one knew who this guy was. And no one in the fantasy league picked him. Because I went and I would look through. No, absolutely no one picked him. So everyone was picking all these other people. On the flip side, because we didn't know his numbers, because it's been three years old, because he went up a weight class, Maybe it was an upset. Maybe if he had done a meet, or maybe he's done a meet. We just don't have the meet results. His numbers were actually around this, or even more, and it's not upset. So it, it, interesting. Yeah, whether that's this is the biggest upset of the world championship, and, and obviously want to see it play again. As far as the other guys, as far as like three, four, five, with like Carl Nicholas and uh, Olivier from Belgium. Olivier was in the morning session, actually, so he was in that earlier group, and so he hit his 880 total in the morning, and everyone else knew exactly what they had to beat, so that put him at a disadvantage, and so that's why Nico did the selection that he did, because on the 345 that Nico missed, that would be a 870, total, and Olivier had 880, so there was no point in him repeating and then not be able to get a chance to podium because at that point too Carl hadn't gone because Carl was doing more at 360 for the third attempt and Carl took a 22 and a half kilo jump so actually Olivier was uh, ahead of Nico and Nico was ahead of Carl and so uh, Nico went up to 350 to jump Olivier and then Carl went all the way up to 360 22 and a half kilo jump to uh jump Nico uh as well and hold off other people like Bryce who have big deadlifts so it was a nice little battle there for the podium. And then finally, yeah, like you said, the last person was Bryce putting on the 390. I'm not sure if there was another meeting to the 390 as well because he, uh, Bryce had the lower body weight than Carl. So Bryce could have gone 387.5, um, tied him in total and beat him on body weight. So I don't know if maybe that was an error or if there's other things going on. Maybe I'm not seeing something. But either way, uh, he ended up not making it. So like you said, it looks like bad. Oh, he's in sixth place. But he could have easily gone 380 or 382.5 and probably gotten fourth. He's just trying to take oh, yeah. take the shot at, at third. Um, And then that was, that was pretty much as far as the battle. These other guys were farther behind or you know, were in the morning session, so their totals were already locked in. Eric Willis kept trying to add on to you know the second and the third and stuff like that to try and keep up. But yeah, it just wasn't there.
0: Let's move on to the 120s, my man.
1: 120
0: plus um, 120 plus is my man. And uh this is obviously uh, I you know what fuck I I really wish we would have had Rory still here because he was one of the refs on this session <laughs> for Red Light Blazers Rory. <laughs> Red Light Rory. I wanted to put him on the spot <laughs> and I wanted to get some answers and you know what? I don't think he did have to get a fucking plane flight. I think this guy dipped out before the 120 pluses came around in the <laughs> This fucking guy. But um, all right. Anyways, um, so Jesus Oliver obviously a heavy favorite here, but we have some other guys in here. Elias from Algeria, breaking the world record in the bench press and Jen Kokak coming from Turkey and uh, who's, you know, obviously a phenom. He is a junior world champion. Steve Ringut- Ringgoat is actually how I found out you're supposed to pronounce his last name. Uh, Yari Sario, Sean Koch. There was some good big men in the field, but the Jesus Oliveira show didn't go quite as planned in a couple of different ways. Comes out to the squad event. um, Jank hits 300 hits 320 all well below his capabilities and doesn't even come out for his third. Now we all take a look at his opening deadlift is 370. And we're like, I think he's going to hold back in an attempt for the deadlift world record. Um, Steve Ringut ends up hitting 320, ends up hitting 340, moves up to 350 and misses that and is in sixth place for the squat event. In terms of the squats, um, Sean Koch from Switzerland, and I believe SUI is Switzerland, is that right? Yeah. yeah. From Switzerland, ends up going three for three uh, with a monster 370 kilo squat, taking the silver medal. And uh, Ilyas Bougalem from Algeria going three for three with the big 360 kilo squat as well. Hits the bronze medal. But Jesus Olivares, and this is where things get a little bit controversial, hits 410 kilos for his opening squat, jumps up to 430 and gets called. Now, this is, I believe, if I remember correctly, depth as well as lockout. Is that right? Do I remember that correctly? I
1: forget on which attempt it was which, but the overall idea with the the squats was depth on the second and third. And they did go to the jury. And I think the jury was also saying that it was depth. But it may have been like, yeah, on one of them, there was a call. I think Rory was the left referee. And also Charlotte Vidal, who's the French coach and the coach in significant audit for Nico, was the chief referee. And then I forget who the right was. Um, And. Yeah, we were calling Rory, Red Light Rory, before the session. And Charlotte has some kind of nickname in French, and she was trying to translate it, but she's like, there's no good translation. So we were just calling her, like, the Red Queen. So we got Red Light Rory and the Red Queen out there throwing reds at all these lifters. And so the main thing thing was the depth. From what I saw from the front, I was sitting in the crowd, was the second attempt did look high to me. And then they went up to 440, and the, the third attempt look deeper than the second one to me from the front. So I was like, okay, it looks like he went deeper, sank it in. Um could be good. And he got called
0: for that one as well. I mean, they were close. Look at um 340 was close. It was it it wasn't as convincing as his opener, but it was right on that line. I I mean you watch it a bunch of times. You're gonna flip back and forth with it. Uh, you know what I mean I uh yeah it was tough that was those were some tough calls if I'm honest um I think I think I would have leaned towards giving him the uh I believe it was the three forty but um uh, I mean, I'm looking at the replay I'm not on the platform. I'm not as close to the action as the refs obviously and it's really easy for me to say this when I got the replay of him in the commentary booth and I could stop and think about it but uh there were some tough calls, man. Yeah. It ended up setting it back a little bit.
1: I was, I was just going to add, yeah, it could be a different couple of different things. Like I didn't know going in and maybe a lot of people didn't know, but afterwards, Jesus said he like tweaked his back. So it could be like, you know, if he's not a hundred percent, maybe he's feeling things different or maybe he's like cutting a little bit because he's worried about his back. The other thing is body weight as well as you've seen with a lot of these super heavyweights as they gain more and more weight, it can be more difficult to get down. So like when He was first competing back in 2019. He was in the 150s. Then when he did raw nationals last year he was in the 160s then when he did the nationals this year is 173.4 and now world's 174.7 so as the body weight's going up just like ray used to be 160 and worked his way up to like 190 it can be harder and harder to really force yourself down there and break parallel so that could be another thing too because there are some lifters that had good days like you said Ilias from algeria went three for three got 360 got the bronze medal and sean from switzerland who's a junior went 3 for 3, got 370 in the silver medals. Um so there's other lifters that didn't have any issues with depth with those referees out there.
0: You're right. Yeah. No, that's a fair point as well. Um yeah, if some people would raise their hand and be like, "Well, I went 3 for 3 and collected medals. I didn't have an issue." So, and it's also a pretty good that's a, that's a good um, observation to make that he's getting bigger. And for other lifters in their weight classes, you got to stay in your weight class. Um, so you're not going to get bigger unless you like jump up another weight class, but for him bigger, little bit by bit, every single time your levers change, you know, your levers change. If he squatted the way he's always squatted, if he hasn't yet changed the way he squatted, he's going to have some changes in his squat. Then his squat, isn't going to look the same because he's not the same human as he was when he was smaller. So there is some adjustments that he'll have to make just naturally. Right? So that's a good observation um it's very interesting maybe he could just change some things change the footing he's changed whatever some small adjustments as he's becoming a different human being and, and those are the changes that have to be made naturally especially if this trend's going to continue if he ends up being 180 in terms of kilos you know what are we talking you know you're 396 pound man you're getting close to 400 pounds you got to change your squat setup everything changes and what used to be depth probably isn't depth anymore. Um, and not crazy, but just a little bit. And now you're going to be, you know, right on the line. Yeah. Good observations, my man. So going into the bench press, um, Jesus Oliveris writes the ship a little bit, goes three for three, ends off with a 360 kilo bench press. Ilias um, Bugalum from Algeria, who's, he had the world record going into this. He's broken the world record several times. He's been at so many, World championships ends up hitting a 291.5 kilo uh bench press. What is that in Freedom Unit, sir? 291.
1: That's, what
0: it is is ridiculous. Let's see who gets it first. Huh? Uh
1: 642
0: and a half. All right, son of a bitch. It's six forty-two and a half. Think about that as a bench press. Six hundred and forty two and a half pounds. Um, it's ridiculous, is what it is. Uh Cenk from Turkey ends up doing uh three-for-three, 240-kilo three, bench press relatively easy because you know he's already holding off for this monster deadlift that he's coming down the pipeline. Steve Ringo, 225 for his opener, moves up to 230, misses 232.5, good enough for a fourth place. So Ilias, by the way, obviously breaking the world record has the gold, but Jesus Oliveras takes the silver medal in the bench press and Cenk... Although someone holding back with the 240 takes the bronze medal. Steve takes the fourth place position. And Steve Koch of Switzerland is in fifth going three for three, hitting 217.5. And Yari Sario of Finland only getting his opener, um, falling behind a little bit. And we maybe expected a little bit more out of him as a possible podium threat. But not having the greatest of days, only hit his opening bench and opening squat. Moving into the deadlift event, sir. Are you good to move in the deadlifts, or did you want to add notes there?
1: I, I was just gonna add as far as uh, Elias's bench is like one, probably another one of the greatest feats. Not not as much as like Anahar or like that, but one of the greater feats from this championship is just how ridiculous his bench is. Like if you go on Open IPF and just sort it by bench, he has the third all time for full power. The two guys above him are Ted Arcity from 1983 and James Hollywood Henderson from 1997. So these guys from the oh 80, 80s and 90s, where maybe. You know, the commands were maybe a little bit different. Maybe the drug testing was a little bit different. These are the only guys that are above him in full power. And bench only, there's um, uh, Thomas Davis, who's done 300 and has the bench only record. So he's at 291 doing a full meet, getting a medal in the squat. So he may be getting to that 300 one day as well and taking the bench only. So that's just impressive how, how ridiculous that bench is.
0: That is some good context to put on. He might be one of the best benchers we've ever seen in the IPF period. The fact that he's doing it in the three lift and, and not just doing, you know, a token squad, he's meddling in the squad event. That is impressive as hell. <laughs> that is, and he's been at it for quite some time. This guy is a veteran. He's not popping up out of nowhere like Sahad did. He's been at these world championships and, and competing internationally for quite some time. Yeah. Um, so moving into, sorry, you you going to No, just
1: uh, Yep, I'm just agree.
0: Okay, so moving into the deadlift. I'm just so thrown off. I'm not used to us getting along this well. But uh, <laughs> moving into the deadlift event, Elias going two for three, finishing off with a 300 kilo total. Um, but it's good enough to solidify himself in the silver medal overall position because Jank Kochak, who probably could have been a threat for that silver medal, opens with 370 immediately jumps to a 400 kilo total. Now that's over the 398 kilo world champion, or world record. And why 400 kilo? Probably because he wants to do two things at once. Number one, he wants the world record. Number two, he wants to be the first in the IPF to deadlift 400 kilo in the classic. So he'll have both. Everybody, like world records fall, but when you're first, it's a big deal. Everybody remembers the first thousand pound squat, the first whatever in your weight class, the first 500, whatever. This is not only the world record, but the first to pull four hundo successfully in the classic. Misses it on his second, though, and misses it on his third. Unfortunately, he moves forward just with the 370. And nonetheless, despite holding back in squats, having a somewhat leisurely bench press, but collecting a medal in the bench press, he still ends up on the podium in the bronze medal position. I would love to see what Jank does when he goes full out going nine for nine and what kind of a total he can have when he doesn't, you know, he's not showing up to make history in the deadlift event. I think he still probably could make history in the deadlift event. I think it's probably possible. 400 kilos isn't out of reach. I think he could do this. It just depends on the day. So we'll see what happens with him. Um, Steve Ringoot. Hits 315, hits 330, misses 340, ends off with an even 900 kilo total and in fourth position. Um, Sean Koch from Switzerland ends up finishing going two for three and ends up in fifth place. And Yari Sario of Finland gets two deadlifts in but ends off in six with a somewhat disappointing day. I think he was a possible podium threat, but... Only have his opening squat and his opening bench press definitely hurt him and, and held him back a little bit. What were your thoughts on how this ended up? Uh, what probably the biggest note uh, with Jesus Oliveras, three fifty two point five opener moves to three eighty, and although nobody's threatening him for the overall gold medal in the world championship, he needed that three eighty to solidify Sheffield. That's the, you need 95% of the world record as well as winning the world championships. He needed that 380. He took it twice in his second and third attempts, both times. Now this one, if I was iffy on the squat and I think I would have given him a squat, I could not have gave him these deadlifts, the knees locked and then unlocked due to him leaning backwards. And unfortunately he gave away, like the strength is there. He's good for 380. He's probably good for more. And that's what makes it such a tough pill to swallow because I know he can get this weight. It was just, he had it at lockout, he leaned back more than he needed to and he unlocked his knees and they just can't, it was blatantly there on the review and it's tough because it's there and you know it's there and you know he can lock his knees because he did lock it and then he unlocked it and unfortunately unlocking it gave away his automatic ticket to sheffield but not his only ticket all is not over for him in terms of sheffield he still won the world title there's wild cards to be had he still might end up in sheffield so let's not get too dramatic on this however how much more of a sigh of relief would he have had if he had locked that out um really tough what were your thoughts on this
1: yeah, for Jesus, from looking at the crowd, it was hard to see that far away to see the knees. So I wasn't sure if it was like good or not. But yeah, watching the videos up close and everything like that, yeah, you can see how his knees kind of unlock. And even, um, The team went to try and go protest the jury, and the jury was like, no. So, yeah, for both of those, it was a lockout issue. And like you said, that would have given him the automatic spot for Sheffield, so he didn't get that. But he still came away with the world title and uh, hopefully you know, didn't tweak his back or anything, anything worse. And then he can hopefully still get the uh, Sheffield spot. Um, With uh, Jenkins, yeah, it was interesting that he didn't really cared too much about like the minimum needed to go in the second place he's just like screw it i'll take a 30 kilo jump and just go straight for 400 <laughs> end up missing it twice so yeah he could have easily done like a 392 or whatever to go into second place and uh then from 392 then try and go 400 or whatever based on how it moved um so he kind of gave that away just you know it was fine i guess getting the third place and then yeah, everything else kind of you know, nothing special. You know, Sean tried to put another 10 kilos to try and pull into fourth place, whatever, but just wasn't able to get it. But he's still a junior lifter doing eight ninety seven point five. So um, he has a lot of potential going forward for junior worlds and that kind of stuff um, going against. I think his name is Timor from Georgia, who also has a, a monster total. Uh, Pablo. Won the junior nationals for the US, but he said he's not going, so we won't see that battle. But uh, oh, he's not going, yeah. He made a post about, um, for a number of reasons why he's not going. He had actually mentioned one thing is, uh, for health reasons, he wants to get his weight down, so maybe that will be something that like Jesus and Pablo do together too. It's like instead of Jesus going up in weight like Ray did, maybe Jesus will try and maintain or go down while his brother's also going
0: down. Damn it, I wanted to see Pablo with the worlds,
1: yeah, but he, oh, but, you know, he's looking more more long term and, you know, he can always try and, um, you know, maybe get on the open team one year with his brother.
0: That's tough, though, because, you know, I mean, that's a roll of the dice that they're going to have two in that particular weight class when there's other weight classes you could have two and blah, blah, blah. It's tough, man. It's tough. The juniors was the move. Uh, is it too late? Uh, Are the nominations already done? No, the nominations aren't. Because I'm going to slow <laughs> I'm going to slide in this young man's DMs.
1: <laughs> leave, this, leave this poor
0: man alone. <laughs> what's I'll, what's what's the point of being a social media influencer if you can't influence people? I'm going to see if I can talk to this young man.
1: I was trying to see what his- Let me talk to you, son. I was trying to see what his birth year was, which is 1999. So this is his last
0: year as a junior oh <laughs> say less i gotta talk to him say less <laughs> but um, someone's getting a dm from me let me talk
1: to but you but guys. yeah sticking to the weight class yeah that's kind of how i saw it it's like you know, think nothing the only battle really was second and third and jank and didn't really care to go for it um and then just to throw on there as far as the best lifter stuff and the team is as well uh taylor out would end up getting the best lifter chance uh if we had gone that third delif would have gotten best lifter but he missed so chance got second uh, Emil got third, and actually behind them, Jonathan Keiko got fourth, and Gavin Aiden got fifth, and Gustav Hedler got sixth, so it just loaded up with 93s from second through sixth best lifter down there, and then as far as the teams, USA got first, France got second, and Sweden got third, so for the, both the men's and women's side, the first team was USA, for both the men's and women's side, the second best team was France, and then for third, the women's had Canada and the men's had Sweden.
0: Yeah, man. Uh, US sweep in the world's, I wouldn't have thought. <laughs> um, obviously, the Leah Bavois from Leah collecting 12 to France collecting zero and US collecting 12. That 63 kilo swing you know 63 kilo class was the swing for US to be like holy shit we're going to do this. I'm yeah. sure Robert Keller and Mike Z were like oh hell yeah. We just okay this was a really USA is back. USA is back baby. And then um but i was just I, I was just
1: going to reiterate the Sheffield spots to the ones that we know is The automatic qualifiers were Eddie Berglund for the 66s, Taylor Atwood for 74s, Delaney Wallace for 83s, Chance Mitchell for 93s, Emil Norling for 105s. And then the regional spots are Amar Kanani uh, for Africa and Kyoto Ushiyama for Asia. And then there's one, two, three, four, five spots open. So with those five spots open, then that's when SBD can figure out do we take, like, you know, one for each weight class, take a Jesus, take an Enrique, take a Mikey, take a, a Kaiko and take maybe like a Tim or you can maybe try and bring more depth and say, Hey, we'll bring a couple guys. Maybe we'll bring in Emil and a Kaiko and make the 93s uh, a little bit more of a battle. So we'll see what they do there.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of rematches I want to see. And Jesus at the top, I think you got to do it. You don't leave the super heavyweight champion of the world outside. You bring in the super heavyweight champion of the world to see it. If there's one lifter that could put on a show, even if he's unopposed in direct competition, anyways, unopposed, um, it's a super heavyweight, but whether Ray Williams is just three lifting and he's going to crush all the competition. Everyone's going to watch him squat. Everyone's going to watch him lift everyone. That's, that's the one you could do. You're guaranteed. Everyone's going to stand up and be like, Oh my God, look at the PA Nats. PA Nats. Nobody was pressing him. Nobody's going to take nothing from him. When PA Nats was done, everybody was like, that was, he stole the show, you know? So if you're guaranteed, someone could steal the show, even if unopposed, it's jesus oliveris in the 120 plus plus.
1: and uh interesting thing i just pulled up too is when ray williams did the virginia pro in december he hit a 10 22.5 kilo total and jesus just hit a 10 22.5 kilo total so if spd wants to try and get ray in there and can get Ray to do some kind of meet this year and does somewhere around that total too it kind of try and reignites the hype that hey the recent numbers, let's not talk about best numbers, but the recent numbers are basically the same. Let's put the two world champions uh, and the multi-time world champions and biggest totals into Sheffield and see what happens.
0: They're neck and neck. They're neck and neck, man. Let's let's. There can only be one now. If they're <laughs> neck and neck now, maybe this is better. Maybe it all played out better for them. We'll have to see what happens with Ray. Yeah. Um, but yeah, look, we're closing in on four hours, buddy. It's fucking ridiculous. We, we spent play a, play
1: a lot play. of time breaking down the 93s and, and some of these other weight cuts. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Doggy, holy shit. Can we talk? But uh, I don't know if we split this into two podcasts or we leave it as one. But oh my goodness. I
1: mean, the the women um, the women's, I think, was around two and a half. I mean, we could leave this at four and then we can do another one to go more in depth into the fantasy league and the polls and all that stuff.
0: We, we might need to. Yeah. Yeah. Some people do. You just got to get the content out. Either way, sir, I appreciate you. Um, thanks for jumping in here, man. You got good insights as always. And everybody, if you list, if you're still listen after a four-hour marathon, and this is probably broken up into two different sittings or whatever, or maybe you got a big-ass car ride or workout and we just walked you through it. But wherever you're listening, subscribe. Give us high ratings um you know post up into the your stories and we will share it and we appreciate the support. That's why we do this. And until next time, with no further ado from Arian Messi Kamessi and Six Pack Lapidat. Six up. We are out.